We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts, and it is Saturday afternoon at like noon, and I am joined by Britt Robson of The Athletic over the 2021 All-Star break, and we are going to kind of, I guess, just take stock of where the Wolves are at right now, 36 games, exactly halfway into uh, the Timberwolves season. Obviously, seven and twenty-nine, Brit. So, I think I think the place we could start is either by just kind of touching on how they puttered into the All-Star break with that thirty-three point loss to the Hornets, and then I'm also sure people who want to forget about that are going to want to want to hear our thoughts on kind of some of the noise around this John Collins and Aaron Gordon stuff. But you think we should start with that that Charlotte game? Is that a play, good place to get going from? Sure. Yeah, I think that it was a pretty loud announcement that some dramatic changes need to happen. Right. Um, this is this was the time when Chris Finch got a couple of practices with his team, when a mediocre team in the least good conference, the Eastern Conference, was coming on the final game of a six-game road trip. Hey, a hey, young mediocre. The Hornets are good. <laughs> where no. are the hornets now in the east i think they're i i listened back to the end of our last pod and i think i said that i thought they were going to be a playoff team and i think right now they may they even are. be a playoff team in the east what is their record again i think they're now one game under 500 going in okay going so they're the not mediocre they're they're one game under 500 but they're good <laughs> It's the aesthetic. Anyways, it was it was the I thought that was actually a really bad part of it was that the Hornets were on the sixth game of a six game road trip. I mean, it was 
at the end of the break. At the at the end of the every, break, every yeah. a young team, every single reason to have one foot out the door. Exactly. You've already you've already shinied up your badge of a good road trip, and uh, it's you know, and, and the Wolves jumped out to a lead. They they pounced on them, and uh, it, it could have. Well, it, like, remember the Pelicans game? Do you remember the Pelicans game earlier in the year yeah. where the, the yeah. Wolves, it's their one win without both Cat and D'Lo? Yep. And the Pelicans didn't have they, – they were coming also off of a, their sixth game of a six-game road trip there. So I was kind of thinking right. about that. And But they were they were bad. They were in a, they were in the middle of the doldrums, whereas – Mediocre. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> no, I mean, I honestly thought, like, going into the game – that it was kind of a coin toss. Like I thought the Timberwolves might win. Right. Coming, you know, they right. they did have those two days of practice. You, right. you would think with a little bit of pride, with a little bit of just how nasty the previous week had been, you would think that they would want to come out and at least give a good effort to go into the break. And it was it was terrible. It, it was terrible. I, I tweeted out that I, I would have taken the, the Charlotte was favored by three points. I would have taken the Wolves in three points and I would have taken the over. Sure. Well, the over, of course, worked out because Charlotte scored 135 points. <laughs> but uh, this is a team right now that um, doesn't know what it wants to be, doesn't know who they are, um, is waiting for somebody else to lead the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they don't have their starting backcourt. Um, their center, I think, is is exhausted. Uh, their best player, Cat, I think, is is emotionally exhausted. Yeah. Okay. Go and into perhaps, that. What What do you mean by that? Well, I think that all the uh, signature moments, him coming back from COVID to begin the season, him coming back from injury, wrist injury, sooner than possible, sure. him coming back from, you know, getting COVID, um, all those were kind of rallying points. And they're out of rallying points. Um, whether or not you think that Ryan Saunders is a good coach, uh, and there's ammunition for the fact that he's not, sure. um, he clearly um, had this team in a direction that was not good enough but was a hell of a lot better than what they've shown in the last five games. Right. And so I think that that transition period, uh, some of that can be, again, Cat being exhausted with another change of uh, leadership and another knowledge that this will be another season where um, he doesn't make the playoffs and his reputation takes another hit and that his guy, D'Lo, is out with an injury and it'll take a while for him to get back. Uh, there's just a lot of reasons, and also let's face it: the uh, off-season, the mid-season break, the All-Star break, where Cat is not participating in anything, beckons, and I just think they mailed it in from can, the top guy down to the bottom guy. Yeah, can, can I ask you from a, a reputation standpoint on him? Like, obviously, the you know the take on Cat, I think in the past, if you wanted to slander his reputation, is you know it's the empty stats sort of thing or his team's his team's not winning but like clearly you're watching him playing and he's a dominant player right that's yes. that's been cat for what would you i mean the past four years or something and i think 
for me as I'm watching him and I'm watching other NBA games now, I see that Cat's reputation is taking a hit. I think it's fairly taking a hit because he's not playing as well. I right. think I think it's it, you know the all this John Collins stuff comes up, so I was like, oh, I'm gonna go watch the last Hawks game, and they played they played the Orlando Magic, and Capella. no, so so Capella was actually out for that game. Oh, okay. Um, so so Collins, what I'm getting to is is, is Vucevic actually, and Collins oh. is is guarding Vucevic, and I mean Vucevic is just really good. He's just like a really good player in the NBA right now, right. and and I think like. And I don't people probably don't want to hear this, but like Nikola Vucevic is better than Cat right At now. At the moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And but you but like not, not just the moment, it. not just like one game. Like Cat's now right. played like twenty games. Like right. Vucevic is having like a better season. And I think if you were to like ask a bunch of scouts around the league or GMs or coaches, like, you know, who who are you more concerned about playing among centers in the league the second half of the year, they would say Vucevic. Like they might say a Demonta Sabonis, you know, some guys like that. You kind of start, you kind of start sliding down the list, whatever. And 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 that I think is is a, is a reputation hit on Cap because he has slid out of the Embiid Jokic conversation pretty clearly, without a doubt. Yeah, and and he's also he already like two years ago slid behind Gobert. He didn't get that All NBA spot. Gobert got that third All NBA spot. So I think he'd already fallen back out of the All-NBA conversation, but he was supposedly like, oh, you know, just a resurgence away from kind of getting back. Well, what's actually happened, I think, if we're just looking at the basketball, obviously there's some other things. But from how good he is at basketball over the past 50, 60 games he's played in, like, Cat is turning into more of a top six center in the league rather than a top three center in the league. I think that's harsh. I think that I could see how it is fair based on what you're saying, strictly basketball. I also think that um, he doesn't have, I mean, all the, all the excuses apply. And, and I, I, hope I, those are, what, I hope those are givens here, but I, like, right, right. Like right. I, I guess what I would say is um, the ceiling on a shooter that good remains really, really high. Why isn't he and, shooting though, Britt? Why isn't he shooting? Is he shooting? Like he's passing up shots too. It isn't, it isn't, he's not getting doubled at the top of the key. He's not shooting them. So right. this is, he's becoming theoretically good. That's what's happening. Right. Uh-huh. Um, I think that he's trying to get his teammates involved to some extent. He is trying to work and he passes to Ant more than Ant passes to him, which is kind of interesting. Also um, a theoretically good decision. <laughs> yeah um i get what you're coming from i i think that as i said i think he's exhausted and yeah, i yeah. think that, that that's and, and and that exhaustion for a variety of reasons i mean all kinds of reasons um first of all we've talked about this before cat requires validation more than most people outside validation in my view and the very fact that we're talking about him in these terms is one of the reasons why he is being talked about in these terms. He doesn't have that boost that a player and a person like him really needs. He needs to feel validated. And um, 
for all the talk from the new regime about validating him. Um, and some of this is just obviously bad luck, terrible, you know, disease oriented stuff, injury oriented stuff, freakish stuff. And then, you know, Delo injury, Beasley suspension. You can go down the list. It's a Tim Wolves. I do, I do put in the caveat of like the Beasley thing can't be viewed as luck. Right. Well, that, I mean, that, it's, signed, it's, that was it's, signed up for, but I, no, but I meant luck in terms of cat, you know. I mean, Cat didn't ask to play next yeah, yeah. to B. Okay. You know, I got, you know, I mean, he's got I these just think, guys. I think when we're listing off the quote-unquote ways the Timberwolves got unlucky this season, like we got the virus up there, we got Cat's wrist, you can put Delo's knee, Delo's left leg soreness, whatever, that's all up there. The BC stuff doesn't fall into the bad luck column because you they knew he was going to get suspended when they signed him to, to this. Yeah, so. I think 12 games is harsh myself. Yeah. I remember I like was digging into it uh, just with like some people in the league back, um, you know, back before the season started. Cause I was like, well, you know, is this guy going to get suspended? And I remember the number that I heard at that time was like two to five games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was, I mean, not to, and, you know, all I that, mean, and, and maybe they did not mind a dozen games. I mean, we, we are <laughs> on the, we are on the stealth tank train, you know, I mean, we are. I mean, if it wasn't obvious when we talked about this stuff three weeks ago, or whatever it was, yeah. it's got to be pretty much, you know, emblazoned in neon at the moment. The, the one one last thing I want to um, ask ask you about Cat is, yeah, he's he's four and thirty one over the past thirty five games he's played in. Yeah, and and obviously, that's a damning stat. That is a damning. That's stat. a damning. That's a damning stat, regardless of what kind of luck you okay. have. Okay, thank you, because that's also. That's also my stance on it. I think there's, again, if we start going down the list of players, like in the league, you know, top whatever, top X, top Y, top Z, I think there's not, I think there's a lot of players who don't let their teams go four and 31 over 35 games. And yeah, I mean, Cats had, you know, functionally minimum players, G League players around him for a lot of those games. But at the same time, it's like, Name a dude, name a, name a guy who's made an all-star team. And I would, I would probably, you know, bet on that guy, not letting that happen and whatever. It's just taking over. And I, like you said it before, Cat's trying to get his teammates involved. He's trying to pass the right. ant. He's trying to do all this and that. Well, you know what happens when that, when you, the best player in your team, clearly the best offensive weapon starts passing to these guys who aren't good at, or at effectively scoring, like you're going to lose. You're gonna lose 31 out of 35 games. It goes. I remember. Remember when you and Cat had that uh, back and forth in the locker room last year, where I'm pretty sure they were playing Houston. This might have been two years ago, and he's getting doubled in the post every time. And and you go like, how do you, how do you continue? How do you, how do you determine? Right. How do you determine that this kick out is actually worth it, rather than just trying to Compared go to turning around, right? You know, rather than just trying to go up and shoot it, because I think what the answer actually is, probably what your implication was, is I think the math would say Cat going through two guys is probably better than the kick out to right. Trevion Graham, right? For right. for the three. And you really kind of caught him there, where he was, mm -hmm. Cat was just kind of like, I know what you're getting at and you're right, but like, I got to explain to you that I still have to do, I, I still have to make that pass, which he's right but about he too. Again, he appreciated that, though. He yeah. likes being able to say that. <laughs> yeah. 
Seriously. Yeah. I mean, you know, he wants to be able to be known as a team guy. He's looking for various ways to be validated, and I can't blame him. All right, Britt, sorry, my audio cut out there for a second. We're, we're back when we were just talking about, I believe, uh, this this idea that, you know, Cat's only won four of his last 35 games. Ton of baggage connected to that. Obviously, that extends to the 1920 season and the 2021 season. But at the same time, it's just... It's just hard for me to like reckon with the idea that anybody who is a quote unquote superstar that that would you know that that would happen to him or it at least signals that you are doing so much wrong um, around your star player. Right. I think as often is the case with the Timberwolves, nobody gets covered in glory anywhere. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I mean, they have not used him well. He has not maximized his own talents <laughs> at the moment. Uh, his commitment to defense has improved this season, but has now started to fluctuate uh, to the point where he's becoming a little bit more of a net liability, I would say, in the last week or two. Sure. Uh, he's getting in more foul trouble. He was going up straight and making clearer decisions uh, earlier in the season. Um, I think he has taken a step back on defense. I think his offense, which I was – pretty much forgiving because he was improving his defense. He don't need the high usage load on him. I think now that Finch is using him a lot more as a offensive weapon, as a facilitator, as a magnetizer in the low block, um, you know, let, let, let's take a step back and say he still remains by a pretty fair margin, the best player on the Wolves roster. Um it's just a matter of what does <laughs> is that, that a necessary mean? step back? Well, you know, I mean, you know, we're, we're, he isn't a superstar at the moment. I'm not sure he ever was a superstar. Um, his best season, you could argue, um, was the season where they went to the playoffs and he and Butler, despite their subsequent differences, did sure. play off each other pretty well. Uh, Tibbs did devise a defense that protected him a little bit, and they were able to win 45 games, you know, which is, is not nothing. With, like, the 25th best defense in the NBA. And the third best offense. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just no, pushing back I, again, on the I protect get, him defensively a little well, bit. Well, I think they did. I think the fact that you had Butler and Cat and uh, Taj all in the lineup, and Jeff Teague, which was a, you know, a black hole on defense – I think you had a you had a sense that this team did enough to win. It was I mean, what's kind of fascinating, you know who has like a top three defense right now in the NBA? The New York the Knicks. Knicks. And it's the the bad defense is the Wolves are a huge outlier in in the Tibbs defensive scheme of things. It's it's about the tent pole defender. I mean and and, that, and here we huge. go again. Here we go again because that that redounds back to cat, right? Yeah, I mean it doesn't even like the Tibbs system requires rim defense out of their five, right? Like that's what that's what Joakim Noah was, you know, in Chicago. Right. He knew he had that in Mitchell Robinson in New York. It's no coincidence that he got them to go out and sign Nerlens Noel. Like that's the type of five that you know Tibbs wants to play with right there it's it's what's most most teams when you're building 
a scheme around a dropping big, a rim defender big. Like that's the type of you know the type of five you want, which is a whole you know it's just a whole separate tangent that we've gone down before. But what you said was you don't think he ever was a superstar, or you're not sure if he ever was a superstar. And I think that's like this arbitrary line we draw on the sand where it's like, all right, if we do have a superstar, then we start building our team out where it's like he's the top guy and then there's everyone else. You know what I'm saying? Rather than going for a a two or three. Like, I think the Timberwolves are building right now as if Cat is a superstar. Oh, without is that a doubt. Fair to say? I, yeah. I, I, and I won't quibble with other people's perception of it. I will say that to me, a superstar is somebody who you're a threat to be a playoff team without anybody around you. And if you add another star, you I love that a definition. playoff team. You're a playoff team. And that's why I think James Harden is a superstar. He's a walking playoff berth. Right. And I think Bradley Beal is not because – like I think that's like kind of the line. Yeah, right? that, that I mean, superstar. You're right. It's it's a weird definition and a lot of things. I mean, unfortunately, I, I could just agree with you, but I, part of me is always that would that would it be okay? <laughs> well, I mean, it's <laughs> it's about organization. It's about luck. It's about all kinds of weird stuff. But in general, yes, the idea of James Harden not making the playoffs would give him so much blowback. Like, hey, I thought you were supposed to be something. That blowback I mean, doesn't accrue to Bradley Beal right now. That blowback doesn't accrue to Carl Anthony Towns right now. Well, and I think or, Jimmy's a good example, too. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, like Jimmy, I think Jimmy's a superstar because he does, it, again, it's, it's the playoff track record. Yeah. It's the, I am, the teams that I am on are going to go to the playoffs. Right. Um, or I'm going to do something. Or right. at the very least, if you have nothing around you, you're still a threat for the playoffs. If yeah, which I, which star, Jimmy has been. And if you get one star next to you, then you are a playoff team. Right. I guess maybe now I'm thinking back. What did Jimmy have two years in Chicago, where they didn't make the playoffs? They had the two years yes. before coming yeah, to Minnesota. That was the Hoiberg year, right? And so uh, I guess maybe that's like the that's the fringe, and maybe the line is like ten players. Or well, something. and again, but generally speaking, that's how I think of it. And that's why Cat has always, to me, in my own mind, got the pass because it's something you evolve into. And the mm-hmm. evolution of Cat, the problem now is that we are not deep into his contract, but we are into his max contract. Sure. We are into his prime playing time. I mean, we are no longer in the give him time, he's got potential. Period. We are in the time when, okay, you're getting paid to be this. You have the experience to be this. Now we want you to be this. We need you to be this. And again, we still have the COVID. We still have the incredibly dysfunctional Timberwolves franchise. All those things are surrounding orbits. But at the end of the day, let's say, all right, give him a pass on the playoffs, but you can't give him a pass on four and 31. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So it's in that it's in that in between area. I think but. it is right now because yeah, again, that's a good way to look at it. And and I think I really do think that the only guy better than him that he's ever been on a roster with challenged him in ways that was not conducive 
to getting the most out of him. So I think right. there is the potential if somebody trades for Cat that he will blossom enormously. I mean, imagine Cat next to uh, LeBron, for God's sake, or anything like that, you know, or right. you know, Cat uh, and because you think he, you think that those guys could effectively challenge him. Is that what your point is? Jimmy ineffectively challenged him. I think what happened there is you had Tibbs and Jimmy. He had the misfortune of having two guys that were joined at the hip, uh, intense, salt-of-the-earth, blue-collar dudes who believed that sweat equity trumped, you know, all this other stuff. Yeah. Up for the bootstraps. You know, Tom Thibodeau came from nothing. Jimmy Butler came from nothing. And both of them were making something. They made it together. And then Tibbs specifically brought Butler in to light a fire under Cat's ass and Wiggins' ass. I mean, that is not, a, that's yeah. no secret. And then when Butler didn't like the way it happened, and I think I think Cat was unnerved, a little bit rattled by the way Butler treated life. That's not the way Cat treats life. And so right. I think if you had a, another guy, you know, you can pick another guy in the top 10 players, you know, I think that it would be a different relationship. And if Cat is allowed to get out of his own way and just unleash his talent, have a system that protects him somewhat on defense and enables his shooting, it's going to be See, pretty large. So what about the Rocco, the Rocco type of leader to Cat, yeah. where – I, I always thought of the Covington and Cat relationship as big brother, little brother. Yeah. Like, I think I think Cat looked up to Rocco in the way that a little brother looks up to a big brother. I agree. And and I thought um I thought there I think there's potential in that type of relationship with him. I think I think it needs that, to be a star. I think it needs somebody who Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to have somebody who takes the pressure off him. And and so, so theory I'm kicking around is, and and again, this is one of the misfortunes of, of us not being around there. The, the the reason I feel very strongly about that about Cat and Covington is because I saw them interact all the time, exactly every day. And and I talked to like Covington was very easy to just like have a microphones are non conversation. Robert Covington right? is. A gold-plated locker room presence. <laughs> exactly. Um, he one of my favorite things is he hated those lime green jerseys and he loved the black ones with the Christmas tree. That was one of the conversations with him. Um, but but okay. So so this is the thing I'm kicking around is is I have a sense, but don't know because we aren't around Cat and Dilo very often or at all. Uh-huh. Uh, is that Cat and Dilo also have a big brother, little brother? relationship and i think from that Delo is the from cat's that's viewpoint from, that's not from Delo's viewpoint i know and that's why but but that's okay because Delo is the big brother in the relationship oh i thought no i think that cat regards himself as the big brother in that relationship see well i think Delo regards himself as the big brother in that relationship exactly right that's what so, i think so you yes, say that's i think yeah, that i don't think i think that's one of the reasons why mm. It's not quite as flowing. Uh, we don't know that yet, though, Brett. We don't know that. Oh, no. We I don't think we're know. guessing. It, I think we're guessing on that. Look, 
if we're talking about maturity, wide view perspective, all the things that go into how a team goes into making a winner. Uh, yeah. I think that if you look at the way both of them approach life and the media and each other and the way they speak about each other, they are being protective of the other in a big brotherish way. I think they both, if there's, if I think they both have a, have a, in their heart of hearts, think that they're the alpha in that friendship. That's what I think. I don't think either one of them thinks they're the beta in that friendship. I mean, I think, my my opinion, my opinion. Look at Jimmy and Taj. Any question at all, alpha beta there? I know, but this one's more nuanced. (laughs) I think, this is my opinion. This is my read on it. I think Kat believes he's the alpha on the basketball court and the beta off the court. That would be fabulous. If that's true, I would feel a lot better about that tandem. How much do you think this element of building around Cat has been considered by the front office? And how much are those type of personality things prioritized by this front office that is smart, has the perception of being smart, smart but also fairly robotic? Well, I think if you take a really hard look at Delo's career, then you have to figure a couple of things for this relentless pursuit that the franchise has had for him. One is that he's going to get a lot better, that he's just beginning to enter his prime, and then there'll be elements of his game that will improve significantly, perhaps including Mm -hmm. defense. And the other is that his friendship with Cat and Cat's friendship with him will synergize both the emotional maturity and the locker room vibe of a basketball IQ maturity on this team. I think that both of those had to be baked in to the idea that Cat and D'Lo, Cat and D'Lo, I mean, let's just say it. I mean, I've said it before. And this is no, I'm not necessarily casting any aspersions on them. I just think this is a fact. Cat and D'Lo are a terrible one-two if you're going to think about making the playoffs. That is not a one-two playoff punch. It's not. I think they could make the playoffs if the other guys are around In it. In the West, let's go through the teams. All right, fair, fair, fair. I mean, come on. I mean, okay, I'll say this. I have I think that there is a way that, and you know, this second half of the podcast, we're going to talk trades a little bit more, but like theoretically, if you put together a group of guys that are, okay. I mean, how about just this? Some, some, some baked in progression from Anthony Edwards next year. All right. Malik Beasley back. Uh Uh-huh. And, and somehow let's say. Aaron Gordon is flipped for Ricky Rubio, and that's your starting five. Cat, uh-huh. Gordon, um, Edwards, Beasley, D'Lo. Is that enough talent to be the eighth seed in the West no. next year? 
Is it okay? But is that because the talent isn't balanced, or is it just because it's not enough? Not enough. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's close. Pick a team. I, I think it's close. Yeah, I I know that I know that's. But what always happens too when we do this with the pick a team is one or two teams pick themselves and and remove themselves from the equation. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like injury, like New injuries, Orleans whatever. Year. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like so. But it doesn't matter because taking their place is a team like San Antonio, extremely yeah, right. well coached. DeMar DeRozan mm-hmm. decides to have a career season, you know, or at least his best season in about six years. Um, they've got a couple of guys back, Murray, you know, and, you know, they lost Bryn Forbes, who's a great player for, you know, uh, I can't remember. Milwaukee? Who, yeah, that's who he's playing for now. I mean, just a flamethrower. Um and yet, part of it is they know how to play. What I will say, I'll give you this much. If Chris Finch is a great coach. That's what I was going to get at. If Chris Finch is a great coach, I'll begin to entertain the idea that that may be enough talent. Um, so, so this is where I'm I, – I think, I think Chris Finch is going to be a good coach. Okay. Basketball coach-wise, I think the question marks surround how he addresses personalities – Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how good, how good is he at coaching people? Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, I, obviously these are all guesses, you know, sure. but off of talking to people and stuff like that. So I think there's a possibility that Chris Finch is a good coach. Yes. And, and then I look at that talent and obviously I'm more of a believer in, in the cat D pairing. I also agree. They shouldn't be a one, two, but I think it's going to be a better one, two than you think it will be. Okay. Um, so, so I'm at the point where I think you're getting close to enough talent, but the reason I think they ultimately wouldn't make the playoffs is back to what we talked about last week, is even if you add Aaron Gordon to that mix, who is your de facto defender of those five, I think, I think it's too imbalanced where that team, the, the team has too many guys who like to do the same thing, right? Have the ball pounded and shoot. Right, like, right. So I, I think that's why... I don't think this. And that's I think why this roster. Finch, that's why Chris Finch needs to be a great coach. Right. I mean, yeah. you can yeah. do that if you have the right. If you're smart enough. Um, right. I had a conversation with my friend Bob Hummel, um, who used to. Robbie. No, 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 different guy. <laughs> he's a good. He's a. He's a good friend of mine. He's actually a really close friend of Sam Mitchell's. Um, okay. And, anyway. He and I have been good friends for a long, long time. He moved to L.A. LA area um, probably 20 years ago now. But he used to write for uh, the Reader basketball. I got to know him along basketball row, and he's also friends with David Brower and some other people. Anyway, long story short, he, he knows a lot about basketball. He's a, he's a smart guy. And we had a long conversation on Zoom the other day, and it's a really piquant observation, I think. He says... He thinks the NBA moving in maybe moving in a direction where nobody is going to care about defense. They're going to throw it out the window, and hmm. the Nets are really the test case. For I was going to say, yeah, right. And if the Nets win a ring, you may find that defenders are going to be discounted, and guys who just fill it up and are just able to play pick and roll or ISO and beat you over and over again, and they don't care what you do at the other end. They will beat you more than you can beat them 
Right, because it's just about having the margin, right? I oh, think, we're giving up. I, I yeah. think that yeah. is a fascinating concept. And I think it's, I mean, the more I think about it. It's the one the Wolves are betting on. Exactly. And it's driving yeah. me crazy, man, because I hate that kind of basketball. At the same time. <laughs> old school. You, you've got to, you you know, and, and old school becomes, you know, uh, anachronistic, decrepit school if you don't yeah. ride with, you know, it took me a while to adjust a three-point shot. It took me a while to adjust to a lot of changes that have been made. I actually like the old Stacy Ogman, Mookie Blaylock days where teams were 93-92 score most nights, you know. Yeah. Uh, but there's always something about Stacey NBA. Stacy Ogman. Well, that, was a, that to me is like the pinnacle of that backcourt for the Atlanta Hawks was a great defensive backcourt. And that's that's like for me pinnacle of video game day playing. Was... <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, our age difference is always going to intrude every now and then. But in this particular, yeah, at, least I, instance, at least I know these guys exactly. And in this particular instance, what I'm saying though is, if you if you want to care about the NBA, and you love the fundamental game of NBA basketball, then you have to learn to ride the changes and appreciate the opportunities it offers as well as the things that suddenly become yeah. closed out to you that you have in the past enjoyed. And we may be entering a phase. I don't know. I think the Nets is a really compelling test case. We may be entering a phase where um, offense is ascendant and it becomes everything that it's like, uh, Let me, me push back on it. Okay, sure. Let me push back on it because I, I, you know, I'm kind of inclined that way too. But my head also goes to who won the championship last year. Uh huh. Best defense in the league, mm -hmm. the Lakers, yes. right? Um, and you know the team they're going against, Miami, also pretty elite defensively, defended in a really modern, elite way. Right. I think it's not going to be a black and white thing. I think what it's going to be is teams are going to more pick and choose into that identity where they're going to slide further into being, we are a team that prioritizes offense by hell or high water, right. or we're going to Frank Vogel it. And we're going to say for us to be good, we have to be the team that says we prioritize defense. It'll be you more know? like baseball where some teams are always great pitching teams, pitching, yeah. and, pitching and defense. And then there are other teams that just try to out hit you. Right. Probably the same in football, although I think football requires a little more balance just because there's so few possessions. The thing about basketball is if you have 100 possessions a night and you're really, really good on offense, there is a chance that you can outscore people most nights Yeah, uh, because you have a, you have 50 chances, you know. So I, I think this ties in well to uh, the John Collins you know, okay. conversation sure. and almost and anything it, you, you, you talk about the Timberwolves on now because their core is an offensive core. You, name me the player that is, you have to go down to maybe Rubio or Kogi, pick your, pick your guy <laughs> who is a little bit better on defense than he is offense. Where do you have to go down on the pecking order to get to that guy? Right. Very low. Do you do. And we talked about this last week. It's you know, who's the who's the best two way player on the team, and I think we came to the conclusion yeah. that it was Cat. You know what I mean? Well, at that time, yeah. I mean, 
subsequent last week or two has begun to ding that. But I, I would still have well, to say you got a better answer. Point. Yeah, I mean, it's still it's still it's well, everyone I mean, got to. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll 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 put those goals. Okay. So so I let's mean, get. I'm just I, talking I, about two way players, both guys. You know. Right. Right. I, I think I think the the Gordon versus Collins question. If let's you know that obviously those aren't the only two yeah. paths that can go down. But one prioritizes right. offense right. a little bit more. One prioritizes defense a little bit more. So let's get into talking about that. But quick, we're going to take a, a quick break. What's up, everybody? I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle is a brand new program here at Blue Wire where you can host your very own podcast. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take their podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As a part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discords, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll get your stuff all pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all those good places, the listening platforms all out there. And you can get all of this for $15 a month, the same rate any other hosting site will charge you um, just for initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. All right, Britt. So obviously Shams came out, uh, I think it was on Thursday or Friday, um, as we went into the all-star break, dropped all the little sprinklings of uh, trade fodder for for fan bases, you know, to get to get interested in and you know, a lot of times it's it's just it's just names out there, and you know, GMs are talking to GMs about a whole bunch of different players, sure. and and it all can kind of be funny business. But at the same time, um, I think with the Wolves, and particularly for the two names we saw put out there, and John Collins and Aaron Gordon, uh, it at least makes sense on paper from a they both play power forward right. standpoint. And, you know, particularly with Aaron Gordon, um, that's a circling back option. We know that's somebody they've pursued in the past, and we know that this front office has a pattern of behavior where they circle back, they whether like it be yeah, D'Angelo Russell, Chris Finch, Ricky right? Rubio, like, right. yeah, like if, if, if they, if they touched you in the past and you went the other direction right, and you're right. back within the vicinity, right, they're going right. to touch you again. So I think, um, I think that's why, you know, Gordon makes some sense. And then I think, for a just scarred fan base right now, the people who are still paying attention, you're seven and twenty nine. Um, it's only natural to get excited over a player like John Collins, who's been really not just great this year, but for the past two years, he's been a really good NBA player and a phenomenal you know, question- pick and roll finisher. And you have a exactly. point guard who is a one of the things you have to say about D'Angelo Russell is he is a very good pick and roll. Uh, initiator if he has the right compliment and John Collins would be a very good compliment to him so so let's start with Collins there okay and and so I you know just in, in that time of kind of like you know dug through some stuff and you're looking at I mean Collins numbers are really good this year and what's interesting even though, defensively he's not terrible but go ahead yeah yeah well I want to talk about defense too because 
like advanced numbers kind of like him there and I'm not totally sold that he's actually is uh, it doesn't line up for me. I got to watch more but it helps from what that I've he watched plays next to Capella. No doubt about Exactly. It. But that's what I was going to get at is offensively he is he is running far fewer pick and rolls this year because of Capella. Because of Capella, right? And so it, it's kind of it's kind of interesting if you look at it like what well one that was where he derived a bunch of his offense and looked really dynamic last year playing next to Trey, right. which also Trey D'Lo, pretty good facsimile right there. Yeah. Um, but what's happened now is he just doesn't get the volume of pick and roll right. opportunities because Capella's out there. So he's he's had to do a little bit more of uh, pick and pops right. when, when he's used out there, you know, kind of like a double drag, double screen sort right. of s- situation where he's he's going out or he's just – He's just being used as a perimeter player a little bit more. And gets putbacks. I mean, he goes and gets the ball sometimes. But I, what I think is encouraging is he has really improved his shooting. He, he's really improved just as a perimeter player in, in general. And and last year was kind of like, well, like John Collins is shooting 40% from three. Like, is that like, you know, you know you're kind of like, ah, he didn't really do that his first two years. Like, is he going to be, is he going to be a perimeter player at all? Well, he's doing 40% from three again this year. Plus... He's also operating kind of on like spot up catch and shoots, like working on the perimeter. And he's making 58% of his deep twos this year, which is obviously unsustainable, unsustainable, (laughs) but at the same time, like that's so some chops there too of like, you know, he's shooting about like one and a half of those a game. It's not like, it's not like occasional. I mean, on the, if you're on the wolves, you make about 25%. Rubio makes like 20%. Right. D'Lo, no D'Lo, who's great at that. Like quote unquote allowed to do those because he's good is like, historically a 46% guy. Right. So so I think it's 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 interesting that Collins really he's really developing into offensively a player you can kind of put and let him cook I in any sort of offensive situation which is that. which is intriguing if you're leaning into going you know full, full Brooklyn full with this. Offense, right. Yeah, right. But it's there's there's complications here as well. And I will say I like Collins better than Gordon. I've never been a Gordon guy. Well, I think I mean, can we can we acknowledge that that's like obvious? Like that 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 is obvious. Like John Collins is way better, better than Aaron okay, Gordon. Yeah, yeah, I see. So it's, you're but talking there, about there's what a whole different to get him and how much money he's going to get paid when he gets here. So we exactly. have to figure in all the all the components, right? I agree mm-hmm. with that. Um, and I think that's obviously a consideration. And this team doesn't have a lot of flexibility. I would say that if you can get John Collins. I know he wants the max. He's not a max player. Is that going to be at least the second guy? And, you know, you're going to have, I put out the tweet the other day. What does maxing cat uh, Delo and Collins will a three max of those three guys with, let's say you manage to hang on to Beasley included in all that. And let's say you even have Edwards. I mean, I don't know what they give Atlanta as a result, but even that five is, I concede that that's a playoff team, but that is not an advance beyond the first round playoff team. In my view, it's not a top four team in the West. No, no, but it might be a step towards getting there. But what? Yeah. And, and, I, I, and I, you've I, run out of lumber. You don't have any more steps to build, but that, <laughs> I well, they already are at that point. Like their thing, man, is trading same for sames. Yeah. Like they're just going to continue to flip and flip and flip and flip. Like that, or that's what they're going to try and do. And like, 
I don't think they would say, okay, yes, now we got Cat D'Lo and Collins and, you know, Beasley's here as the fourth guy. We're like, we're ready to contend. No, like, I think what then happens is next trade deadline, the next offseason, you're looking to upgrade. You know, off of one of those four guys, which is and trying to upgrade off a triple max is really tough. I mean, talk is, to OKC about it. Uh, totally. I, okay, let's let's focus on let's focus on that part of the actual logistics of trading for John Collins, which is complicated. Yes, because because he is him? about first of all. <laughs> well, well, that 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 part's interesting because Atlanta Atlanta's not just trying to. Atlanta's not just trying to pick up like a first or and a young like a first and a young player. Like they're not just trying to get an asset play here. They would want to get a player that can help them compete and go to, you know, the playoffs this year and, and continue going in that like they don't the Atlanta Hawks don't want the Wolves twenty twenty four first right. round pick. That's right. Like that that's I mean, we could say maybe if you or I were running the Hawks, that's a smart play, you know, drag it out, whatever, whatever. But no, like they're going for it. That's clear. So if you're the Wolves, you got to give them back something that is good. you know plugs in. They they look like that they could, you know, they could use a, a wing player, um, or they look if you trade Collins, they look like somebody who could use a backup four to Gallinari, who's more defensive. So on paper, you have this very basic like, oh, Culver's a wing player. And and then at power forward, you got a backup power forward in Jared Vanderbilt, but that's not at the level where those aren't <laughs> those are peaking the interest, right? Like you would need you would need a really good version of Jared Culver, or you would need a really good version of Jared Vanderbilt. So I don't think the Wolves don't have the lumber, to use your term, to just go out and trade personnel to you know to to go get John Collins, even though he's on an expiring contract, right? Um, what what all they have to have offer is future draft picks. So if they're going to get John Collins, they're going to have to go out and trade those future draft picks for a player that then Atlanta would have interest in, right? And and then they give that that player to to the Hawks in a three team trade. This is getting complicated. Not to mention the fact that Collins makes four million dollars right now. So how the hell do you match up salaries in that? Like you start bringing in like. Tony Snell into the equation. Okay, now that's that's messy. Now Rubio has to be going out. Like this is right. This is this isn't an easy trade no, to is, be made. This is Gupta territory. Major Gupta, major <laughs> Gupta territory. Which which means you know don't you know don't rule it out. But like I think it's important as it is in pretty much all trades right. when you're when you're trying to make a fake trade for your team. To make you got to think about happy, right? you got to think about the the other side there. So. So, like, you know, play out that fake game how you want. Even if you check all those boxes, you're like, oh, we found a way to trade a first and a second and Culver and Rubio to get back a guy that Atlanta wants to, you know, to plug in. We did it. We made them agree to it. Oh, wait, now it's the offseason. Now now we got to pay Collins okay. 25 plus million a year. Okay, so let me throw this at you. Okay. I have no idea. This is just off the top of my head, but I would say, okay, what about um, Rubio and Edwards for Collins and whatever they have for filler? Snell. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, I don't do that. Because Edwards is that guaranteed to have that ceiling? No, because because Collins 
you have to it like turns into a neutral asset in three months. Once you sign him to a four-year, $100 million contract, Collins is not a quote-unquote valuable asset at that point, right? What, what, I am, what I am gambling on when I make that trade is that John Collins will be a better NBA player over the next five years than Anthony Edwards. And that's, that's possible, maybe probable, but, but at the same time, like if you do that, you punt on the asset of Anthony Edwards. Like there's, if you keep Anthony Edwards around and you're wanting to trade him and you're wanting to trade him eventually, you can, you can get a lot more than John Collins for See, Anthony Edwards. If you, I, I always hear things like this, but why not? We just why got, not? We, because you just got through saying you need to give the other team something that makes them happy. You don't have other things that make no, 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 Atlanta okay. happy. Okay. Maybe it's not Atlanta, but it's another team. Like, what happens what happens when star player X is put on the trade market, right? Yeah. Their demand is a bunch of picks is turning out to be like three or four right. unprotected first round picks right. and a an attractive young piece. Right. The Wolves, so long as they have Anthony Edwards, can put together that package. They right. can they they have the young piece, which is oftentimes even more primary than having because it's the quote unquote known rather than the future unprotected picks i think they hang on to edwards just for the possibility i'm with you it's not likely but just the possibility that they can go out and eventually get that star player for edwards and three firsts or edwards beasley and i mean edwards beasley and three firsts like and you're some team in a james like a situation like the rockets were in this you know this fall winter like isn't that a pretty attractive situation if you're already if you're already at the end of the road with your star player who wants out you know you're trading them like i'm not i'm not upset about taking on 19 year old anthony edwards i mean maybe it's a, a year or so down the road 19 year old edwards 24 year old beasley plus three first unprotected first like that can go get you a star player if said star player is made available okay and so what i would come back to is is that player going to be better than John Collins and two firsts? Uh, That's what it, you're it talking. Could be. That's what you're talking. It could be. Okay. It, it is. But, Britt, we just got through saying that this Collins group, this talent, you know, right. doesn't get you to the fore. It has like the glass ceiling, right? Right. At least in fantasy land, there is not a glass ceiling. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. there is the idea that lingers. I always use Ben Simmons right. as the example, but it could be whoever else. Like, that you are, you bust through the glass ceiling if you have a player of Ben Simmons, Devin Booker, that sort of level, um, if you are able to go acquire them. Okay, and he, what I will say is that I believe you can build a good team and you're more likely to build a good team in a franchise like Minnesota. If you do the Utah model, if you do the Denver model, if you do good, the model good argument. that basically where did Rudy Gobert come from? Where did Nikola Jokic come from? Where did, and, and then adding to that Donovan Mitchell or Murray, both of those guys were quality draft picks 
exceeded their value in the draft, but were draft picks. Um, you don't need, you know, when you say number one, okay, your number one doesn't have to be a choice guy. I think that this team needs to think more about depth and synergy than hitting a home run on an obvious top 20 player right now. I don't think the Wolves are going to get an obvious top 20 player right now. I've never thought they would. I just don't think that that's in the cards because as soon as it happens, the clock is... What is this front office? What Do you think this front office is going to do the Denver model, the Utah model? Or are they trying to do exactly what you're not saying? <laughs> the opposite well, of what you're saying. I mean, let's look at the track record. I think that uh, what's the version of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again that doesn't work. So, uh, you know, um, put it this way. The grand plan thus far is flirting with a luxury tax with the worst record in the NBA. <laughs> so tell me how this is heavy flirt, heavy flirt, that the Rosas model is the is what they will continue to do. I think if they're smart people, they'll begin to say, all right, we're three quarters of the way down this rabbit hole. We can keep digging or we can turn around and get some air. Up on above ground, you know. Let's let's breathe for a minute, and then go back and do what we want. How do we do taking, that? Taking a more linear approach, taking a more conservative approach, right? Which is, which is getting a guy that isn't a star, right? Well, which I, would Collins would exactly factor in it, not exactly. factor a, a in guy, that. You know, that Collins could turn into a great number two player on your team if yeah. Collins elevates. You know. I think an even more conservative option is Aaron Gordon. Yes. Along this Without line of doubt. thinking. Without a doubt. But, but you, you, like, it... Here's a, I, I, let, let me give you a trade the way I would think, which is the opposite. It, <laughs> it, I mean, it's the opposite of what you're talking about. But a trade I have flirted with in my mind, and the more I think about it, of course, because, you know, understand that the Wolves are in a nader right now, so it's easy for me to think this way. What about if you trade Cat at the trading deadline? All right. You trade him to Cleveland with Culver and Ed Davis. And what you get back is not a million draft picks. You get back Jared Allen, Colin Sexton, Andre Drummond, and their number one pick in 2021. And Drummond is, in your mind, is just expiring fodder. There you go. $28 million worth. So that you have some flexibility to re-sign Allen. Uh, by the time that Sexton is getting ready, there's one-year overlap between the end of Delo's deal and the beginning of a big payout for Sexton. But you have time to flex. And you have mm-hmm. a 23-year-old center who's a great pick-and-roll right. partner for Delo. That's been proven. That is a good pick and roll team. He's a better defender. He's not an elite defender, but he's a he's a good. He's the best defender at center that the Wolves have had. I'd say even before Peck. I mean, I, maybe Rosho for God's sake. Uh, you have Sexton. You have play alongside. You've got a forty percent chance of getting your pick in the draft and 
a pretty sure top 10 pick in the same draft. Mm-hmm. And you're not. Oh, I would say higher than top 10. I mean, this. Well, I mean, Cleveland right now, I think, is, is like fifth or sixth in the record race. So they can go. And, up, and, up, and up, steady up. dropping. Right. Although other teams, Sacramento, I mean, there are some teams <laughs> that are, you know, working hard on it, too. Yeah, they're, they're tied with Sacramento for the fifth worst record okay. right now. All right, so that's what I'm saying is you, you get a top 10 pick in this draft. You get Colin Sexton, who, by the way, is shooting 40% from three and 80% from the line and is almost – right now his shooting percentages, his shooting line is 48, 7, 40, and 80.3. And he's 22 years old. What if it's uh, – if and it, because the person who would be making this trade right. is Gerson Rosas, right. who, again, registered interest in Darius Garland. Right. What if it was Garland instead of Sexton? Well, what Garland does is it takes away, I think, a much – I think Garland is a much less dynamic player than Sexton. But I, He's also more uh, similar to D'Lo. Exactly, right? yep. Like Sexton, you could see more as a, a two. Like that back – Garland Garland and D'Lo is too small, too bad defensively. That's, that's what I think. And I also yeah. what what the advantage of that is is that Garland lasts another year, so that he wouldn't have to get paid until Delo is off the books. Right. I, I like the I like the known nature of exactly the Cleveland pick. Exactly my point. You have assets. Jared Allen, Colin Sexton, are things you could put in the bank. Mm-hmm. These are guys that have NBA run. They're not draft picks, which are sexy but don't work out as much as they do work out. And right. then you also have a pick next year that you immediately know, and you may have two picks if they break right in the lottery. Right. So you yeah. would have, you would you, miss, you, you the miss, very, you theoretically could have two top three picks. You could, that would be draft. something. But at the very least, uh, you would have a top 10 pick to take the sting out of not having a pick in this great draft, you would have financial flexibility. What you would be losing is cat, and everybody's going to be going, why couldn't you get three starters or four number one picks? That's the going right. rate. And what I'm saying is, in fact, I'm not entirely positive Cleveland does this, to be honest with you. Um, you know, because they're building a pretty interesting team with Allen and Sexton themselves and their pick, you know? That's three pretty good assets right now. Well, Cleveland would need to believe that Cat is a number one option, which goes back to our beginning of our conversation, right? Right. 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 Which is, which I is, think- which is your. By the way, let's remember this is your foundational idea for the Roses thing. They think that if they have to unload Cat, it will be as a number one option for another team, and they will get I- number one option guys. Hmm. I think I think the way it the way you get the most for Cat is is a team who's ready to go, a la Brooklyn, that we trade for Cat to be our second or third guy and we're ready to win the championship now. And I don't think that is the most you get for him because then you're getting draft picks. You're getting promises mm-hmm. of pie in the sky. I think right. Wolves fans. Well, yeah. I know Currency myself. Exchange. I'm fucking sick of promises. I mean, I don't. <laughs> I don't want 
to cling to draft picks. Oh, we got this in the draft. We got this in the draft. Yeah, it's great for yeah. the draft nerds. Well, call let's just call a spade a spade. Rosas isn't going to do that because Rosas, Rosas doesn't have He's going to the... make another draft pick that sucks, in other words. <laughs> I mean, come well, on. He just doesn't have time. He doesn't have time to do the the move that Houston just made for James Harden, right? Where they get, sure, you got four firsts and four swaps for Harden, but they extend eight years down the line. Like, Rafael Stone in Houston just took over that job. Hasn't, he hasn't lost any, you know, whatever, like credit. And like, if you're Gerson Rosas, you don't make a, you don't make a move that is good for the Wolves in 2026. You don't know you're going to be here. Maybe you are. Maybe, I mean, that is part of his uh, galaxy brain thinking, though, isn't it? Isn't he somebody yeah, who's but, storing assets? I, I, this is interesting. I think that's what think. he wants to be. Oh, okay. Yes, that's definitely what he wants to be. That's what every GM wants okay. to be. They want Every GM could, could manage their team best if they, had a, if they could take a 5, 8, 10-year view. Okay. They could. And what I would say, and again, understand that I am not saying – that I want to trade cat necessarily. But if I want to pivot out of the current morass and I want to come up with something that I think shows hope for the future, I think having a 23, soon to be 24 year old Jared Allen, a 22 year old Colin Sexton, a 20 year old next year, Anthony Edwards, a 24 year old Mm -hmm. Malik Beasley, a 25 maybe is now, uh, a 24, or 25-year-old, maybe he's 26, D'Angelo Russell, and two draft picks, perhaps, or at least one in a very, very good draft. Um, mm-hmm. I think that is a pretty nice pivot, and it doesn't bankrupt you financially. Do you, along this path that we are down, yeah. do you – do you simultaneously get off of D'Angelo Russell or get off of D'Angelo Russell at the offseason? I don't think you season? can. I don't think you can. And also, well, you could I, pay. You could pay to get off of it. No, I don't. No. I think that yeah. um, you want financial flexibility, and I think if you want to grow with the team, and I actually think that D'Lo and Allen, I mean, when I did my yeah. how good is D'Lo as a pick-and-roll guy, Jared Allen is Great pick and roll ride. By the way, for Cleveland right now, Jared Allen has a true shooting percentage of 70.7. I mean, he knows how to play with guys who are the dominant offensive guys on his team. He has all his career. If D'Angelo Russell Russell is Gerson Rosa's James Harden, then Jared Allen is Gerson Rosa's Clint Clint Capella. Capella. Exactly right. And it's interesting. And is also a very good defender, I think, although the numbers don't show it. I think his eye test, you know, the eye test is pretty good on him. Um, I also think that Colin Sexton and Malik Beasley, one of those two guys is on the floor at all times. And you've got a five out and you've got Edwards. If Edwards doesn't behave in terms of learning defense and regulating his shot selection, you just cut his minutes until he learns, you know, none of this. Oh, you're the number one overall pick. We're going to groove everything for you. It's going to be all right. You're young. You need to learn. You need to learn how to play defense and you need to learn how to maximize your talent. Meanwhile, we've got Malik Beasley and Colin Sexton who will carry our outside perimeter offense, as well as this pick and roll team of D'Angelo Russell and Jared Allen. 
And then your four, oh, guess what? who your power forward is at that time? Jade McDaniels. Not mm-hmm. too shabby. <laughs> I think I think one of the more, more interesting uh, elements of it from from a PR standpoint, right? Because it's you know it's gonna yeah, it's gonna take cat, right? Yeah, yeah, like you're gonna take a hit there. Yeah, um, you know it's the you know whatever it's wrong, but it's the, you know they'll say it's KG 2.0. Really, it's Kevin Love 2.0. Right, that's what exactly that's the move right. you'd be exactly making. Exactly right. Um, Which, by but, the way, is the comparison people start need to start making. The cat, yeah. cat, the KG comparisons are absurd. I went through the KG era. I know. We talked about well, KG 431. Goes back to what I said, in, man. Never in a million years. Walking playoff berth. Exactly. You know, right. for the majority of you, that's why he was a superstar. When your second and, best player is Wally Zerbia. But, but from a PR standpoint, you also now have a pick this year because because right now you're trending towards at least a 60 percent chance that you don't exactly and that is going to be that's death yeah that's going to be yeah if you're if you're if you're rosas or just the i mean Golden like, state takes jalen suggs that'll that'll just sit really well with the wolves fan base <laughs> oh yeah yeah no so it's it's it uh i think there's parts of that trade that are reactive for sure but like I mean, I I just don't think this is tenable. The the current progression that they're on, which is right, which is being terrible. That is that is the harsh reality right now. That I think the next twenty games are going to determine whether or not mm. there is a fire sale or not. I think that they, yeah. they need to... Wait, wait, wait. You say 20 games, so you're saying we got eight games till the trade deadline. Yeah, no, no. So I, you're saying... I, well, I mean, what I'm saying is for the Wolves, they may decide, they may be making that decision right now, What the you know, and mm-hmm. make a, a, the kind of trades we have been talking about. But what I am saying in terms of this team is, since Rose has walked in the door, it's been we're building around Cat. Well, 20 games from now, if they are 12 wins, you know, or 15 wins, or, you know. They're not going 8 and 12. <laughs> right, right, right. So. Uh, the the reason the Wolves are building around Cat, like, let's not get, let's not get I know, this, I, this, let's not I get this clouded. Philosophy. I know your philosophy. They're, they're building around Cat in the sense that. There was two tracks here. They're this pumping cat, him up it, to be a number one guy. Well, well, they're they're pumping him up to see, like, hey, let, let's see what he is. Yeah, you know, right. Gerson Rosas took over the Timberwolves in a situation that he loved because he had a star player who had the potential to become a superstar player on the first year of a five-year max contract. Exactly. Right. He loved that because there is one path, which is, all right, he ends up being a dude. He's he's Giannis. He's Jokic. He's, he's a whatever. magnetizer, right. We, we go there or the other part that he loved about it and why they were building around cat was they were building around the idea of being able to liquidate him sometime over the five-year contract into some sort of package that is similar to what you described or some sort of package that brings you back a hell of a lot. Right. That's, that is part of what the Timberwolves were quote unquote building around cat. You can't like that can't get, we can't skip that. 
we, we can't acknowledge that they got the maestro of the salary cap in in Sasha and Gupta and give them credit for all that and say, oh, no, they're just building around cat. And right. it's we're riding out these five years like, oh, I get it. Here we come. You know, like that. This is well, especially now. This isn't a crazy conversation. Exactly. Especially now when you've won four of the last 35 games around this this guy that you thought might be honest. Well, he's not. He's not like cat isn't Giannis. Cat isn't Joel Embiid. He's never going to be those guys. He might be really good, but he's Cat's never going to be an MVP candidate. Like, well, I two mean, years ago, two years ago, that was that was in the conversation. Right. That right. was that was in the conversation. Right. And two years later, I mean, it, I guess that's my opinion, right? Like, I think we've seen I, enough to I, know that I, that that the odds of that have dropped. The odds have certainly dropped. I would not say. I I still think. He is in the conversation as the best shooting big man in NBA history. Mm -hmm. I think that that is a that's a formidable calling card, and Star Cross doesn't even begin to describe the path of his career. Um, and the flip side of that is. Um, I think that it is, it was the wrong guy to have it happen to. Um, And, and so I think it is very, there is a smart GM out there who correctly, or at the very least logically is thinking this is the time to buy quote unquote low on cat. That's a decent gamble to make. Now, I just am getting rid of him for Jared Allen, Colin Sexton, salary relief with Drummond, and a number one pick, which I think is a nice little package. A very good number one pick. Not a not a twenty twenty six number one pick. It's different. Exactly. Those are not all created equal. Yeah. No. I I, I've you know I thought about this because the the idea of trading cat, I don't necessarily say that deal, but. The way we got into this conversation, if you remember, is me saying, I don't want there to be situations where I'm hamstrung Mm -hmm. in terms of finances and still have a top heavy roster that doesn't doesn't seem to me like it can synergize. I want synergy, salary flexibility, and assets. And how do you get that? You need to trade your great guy, easily the best player on the team, for a poo-poo platter of cool stuff, a couple of really, really good starters who could synergize with your existing talent, a really good high upside draft pick, and the capability of managing your own payroll without putting a gun to your head. That's what, which what is which is do. somewhat, which is to Timberwolves fans, it's somewhat of a synergy between what you got back from for KG versus what you got back for K Love. Right. Which was with with KG, that ended up being a bad trade because it was just a poo poo platter of of starters. It was Al Jefferson and you know and other dudes who might be able you know to start. K Love was it was just a liquidation, right? right. You just you got the number one go pick. Anyway. See, and that's mm-hmm. the difference. K Love was going to go anyway, which is why I think Flip looked better. Now he had the advantage of LeBron going back to Cleveland and saying get me the best guys on the market. 
you know, and they, yeah. and they were leverage. Out, you know. leverage. Yeah. yeah. And so that was a, a is your implication though, that cat isn't gone. Yes. That's my implication. Cat isn't necessarily gone. I think it's a hell of a lot closer to K love than it is to KG. I agree. I agree. His goneness. No, no, no. What I mean is, uh, what is where they're not analogous is that I don't think Cat is asking out. And if Cat isn't asking... No, no, no. Out, so Certainly not now, but that is coming. But that, Probably. That's why I do think that love, you got more than you could for love because everybody knew love was walking at some point in time. KG wasn't... I mean, KG had to be talked into going to Boston. Uh, and so, yes, they... They they mistook um, quantity for quality in that Celtics deal. Al Jefferson was a marvelous offensive player who could never play defense. The second best player among all those guys in the deal was Ryan Gomes. So there you mm-hmm. go, you know. And they didn't get draft picks. And so you have a situation where, I mean, Sebastian Telfair, Theo Ratliff at the end of the road. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just a you know, uh, it was a terrible deal in some respects. Um, and, you know, Kevin McHale has never been a great general manager. He never was, you know. Right. That's the way it was. So that's – I also think it's worth noting that star players are – what they bring back in return has greatly increased since 2007 when you made that KG trade, and it's greatly increased since 2014 even when you made that Kevin Love trade. Like – there has never been a better time to trade a star player given and, the market rate of what those guys are and, being traded. And we for. have had this conversation, and I'll, t- I'll continue to lean on my side, which is that those days are coming to an end as teams that do not, teams that overpay yeah. and mortgage their future and get screwed um, will stop doing that. I mean, there can only be. Two teams in the finals. Well, that's why you gotta you gotta jump in before the bubble pops. <laughs> well, right? I mean, Miami Heat wrecked a lot of teams' general managers' reputations last year. I mean, you just and 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 to be fair, uh, yeah, if you can get Kawhi Leonard, uh, they didn't pay a lot for Kawhi. I mean, they traded DeRozan and what the, Rap- the Raptors. Yeah, that's the that's the. Well, that's a situation of trading without leverage rental, or losing rental, leverage right, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, right. But again, I mean, I I would point to that being this exception versus, you know, the norm now. Yeah. We've, we've done this before. Paul, you know, Paul George, you know, to the, to the Clippers and, and what the Thunder got back for him. Obviously, Anthony Davis to the Lakers, what the well, Pelicans got Drew back. Drew Holiday is the signal one. Drew Holiday is peak. You paid too much. Yeah, I mean, to be determined. Like, not if the not if the Bucks win the championship. I don't think the Bucks win the championship because of Drew Holiday. The Bucks right now do not look as good as they did a year ago. Sure, I mean they're also dinking around. They're trying some different things. Drew Holiday's had COVID, been out. I know, like, I know, I know. There's a. I mean, I don't know. Like, <laughs> we also got. I, 
this all has so much nuance too of like you make that move and then Giannis he signs his max. Exactly you know, right. exactly. these are, these are all loaded. They're that right. loaded with right. context right. of right. the Clippers made that trade because you know, it gets them Kawhi. So like, yes, the, the context will, will impact what the wolves get back from cat. If they do eventually trade him in the coming right. months or years, I would say, I mean, it just, which, by the way, is why LeBron is the GOAT. Let me just say this. I mean, if 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 you want to pair somebody with a guy, then obviously, if 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 you're a cat, you say, I want to go play with LeBron. You know, <laughs> Anthony Davis enjoyed it. Chris Bosh enjoyed it. You know, I mean, Kyrie Irving enjoyed it. Uh, I think that if you legitimately have a player where you say, I don't have to be a great number two to have the best one, two combination in basketball. That's incredibly free, you know? Well, well, that's what's an interesting thing here too, because cat's gonna, if he does eventually want to leave, he's going to try and he's going to try and harden it, or he's going to try and Anthony Davis it and go to where he wants to play. Right. Yeah. The, if you're the wolves though, like cat's not saying send me to Cleveland. Right. right. So you got to just, you just got to drop that on him, which is ruthless, you know, Hey, of I'm just, you could do it. You could do it. I'm just saying it's, it's different there too. Like you can, you can probably, this is just, you know, basic marketplace sales, right? right? If you have 29 people to sell to, you can get a hell of a lot more than you can get, if if it's if there's four people on his quote unquote list, exactly, you know, so other teams have done well on those four person lists, right? Like right. they got all this stuff when Paul George's list, AD's list, Harden's list, whatever. But like, you can't list the teams you want to go to when your team is seven and twenty nine. You just can't do it. End of story. Anthony Anthony Davis did. No, he didn't. The New, Orleans, New Orleans Pelicans were never the worst team in basketball when Anthony Davis was playing for them. All right, yeah, you know it's 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 different. It's the takes four and a lot point. of chutzpah. Takes a lot of chutzpah to say, "Look at what I've done for this franchise. You owe me X, Y, and Z." Mm-hmm. Oh, no, really? That's probably what. Yeah, that's probably what Cat's wrestling with here, because I mean, we're lying to ourselves if he isn't if he hasn't putted this around in his own head and and with his crew. I'm being, I mean, what I do want to say is um, whenever we have gotten to the point where we're saying the cat experience in Minnesota is doomed to failure, um, I think it's certainly trending that way, but I have a lot of faith in his offensive ability and the flashes of defense I've seen from him to think that if you have a really good coach and a really smart general manager, you might be able to figure something out that creates a much better future than what we can see right now. It isn't happening right now. Um, and all three things, I mean, it's, you have to pull the, the one arm bandit and have all of them come across in sync, good coaching, good talent acquisition by your front office, and a step forward by Cat himself. But the Cat part of the equation, I mean, that guy could shoot 
so well. <laughs> I mean, there isn't a place on the court he's not dangerous. He's a matchup no, nightmare. What what has done? You know, we talk about those the two pass when Gerson took over, right? right? Of the he's got five years of cat. What's killed the one path is not that it's not just cat not becoming a superstar. Right. It like that's part of it. But what's killed it is they've drafted terrible. Yes, exactly right. I mean, they've they've got a bunch of uh or a couple of, you know, little high wattage guys and Nas Reed and stuff like that. You know, it's not like they've been awful in talent acquisition, but they have you know or the low wattage guys. They haven't got, they haven't hit on the high wattage ones, which are obviously Culver. And, you know, like Edwards, Edwards isn't like a flop or anything. You know, this is a completely different thing. But at the same time, you had the number one overall pick. You didn't take the best player. Well, what I will say about Edwards, who I've said good things about a lot. Yeah. But almost all of the good things I have to say about Edwards are projections. Right. If you're talking about what Anthony Edwards does on a basketball court right now, I'll tell you right now, if he was in his fourth year, I'd bench him. Right. I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd bring him off the bench as a sixth man. Um, he is wildly fluctuating on defense. His uh, Every now and then you'll see a pulse from him on defense and you'll go, okay, you know, he's picking stuff up. Um at the beginning of this season, when you asked me for my surprise, the thing that I would, at the end of the year, would be going, oh, all right. I said Anthony Davis under the tutelage of David Vanterpool. Anthony Edwards. Anthony Davis. Yeah, I probably, how many times have I done that talking to you? I, have these I, I correct things. you. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like uh, the other day, and I, Lloyd Pierce got fired as the coach of the Atlanta Hawks. I have called him Lloyd Price more often than I've called him Lloyd Pierce. And I did it again in a tweet. Lloyd Price is like an R&B singer from the 50s, you know? (laughs) It's just, it's so annoying. So now every time anybody hears Anthony Davis out of my mouth in the context of knowing it should be Anthony Davis, just plug in, I mean, Anthony Edwards. <laughs> there, that's proof. Anyway, uh, no, your wow was that Anthony Edwards, under the tutelage of David Vanterpool, would become what? a great two-way player, or at the very least, you could see how he would get there. And 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 you know, he, he still could become a great could, two-way player. We haven't you, seen how he could. He get there, is though. light years away from that right now. He's one of the I've worst. That. I've been saying that to you for months. Yeah, well, it's taken uh, a couple of these blowouts where um, where he's the worst offensive player on the floor, and they're getting murdered on defense. Mm-hmm. Where where it's like there are two, uh, at least two other bad bad defenders on the floor, and he's still standing out. I mean. Right. That that has to change. And then that the whole shot selection thing is coming back. The other night, and there was a point in time where he was um, five for nine from two-point range and one for ten. One for ten, right. I mean, are it, you kidding me? So so th- this is a kind of good one. So so Cat and the Mellow both 
jumped into the, their starting lineups at functionally the same time. Uh, or not Cat. Sorry, now I'm doing it. Edwards and LaMelo right. got into their, right. their starting lineups at the same time. Uh, Edwards's was January 29th. LaMelo's was February 1st. And, you know, they've, they've both been playing starter minutes, 34 minutes a game since then. And they both shoot 16 shots per game. Both of them, of those 16 shots, seven of them on average are three-pointers. Over that time, Edwards has made 30% of those, and LaMelo has made 45% of his. Obviously, he's not going to be a 45% three-point shooter for his whole time, but the results dictate for LaMelo that he should continue to be shooting half of his shots from three. For Edwards, the results where he's making 30% of them <laughs> dictate that he should certainly not be doing that. And I'm sure, I mean, he clearly has the coaches in his ear, you know, doing that or to what degree, but there isn't enough of that self-recognition, right. you know, to, you know, to, to make some sort of shifts. I don't want to go down the whole, like Edwards, the mellow thing, but I did say, you know, they, th- th- this is part of the equation here right. is that per- more so with Culver than with Edwards, right. you messed up the path towards building around cat in part because you've had two drafts right. and you have not come anywhere close to quote unquote nailing them. Agree. If anything, if anything, that I mean, I think that is the most indicting thing on the Gerson Rosa's manifesto thus far. More than is, the D-Lo trade. Yeah. Okay. I do. All right. I, I I think so. I mean, I think because the D-Lo trade at least has some even You've today. You still got a pretty good point guard. I mean, you know, yeah. somebody who doesn't and, defend, and you don't, but you have somebody who's a good point guard. And and for I'm some not reason we, we anyway, point guard. Let's put it that way. We've started to forget about the fact that you also lost, got rid of Andrew Wiggins. Yes, I, I this, agree. Which which is like actually, I and now that I, I always bring it up when people talk to me about the draft pick. We also punted. Yeah, right. Like I mean, and you know, finally Wiggins has started settling back into what he's always been. So it looked worse when we were having this conversation. You know, twelve games. I never a year, had like, a doubt in my mind. You, you did it. You did it. You did. And, and Wiggins is Wiggins is is defending more blah blah blah. But like it, again, it, that was another untenable situation, right? right? Like you could not continue to build your team at, with Andrew Wiggins as one of your tent poles Amen. In, in Minnesota. Amen. So so that was right. That <laughs> that's why I justify the D'Lo trade a little bit more. Plus, I am quote unquote higher on D'Lo than pretty much anyone I talk to, uh-huh. which still isn't even that high. So so I I do think that. Where they messed up was with these picks. This is a totally different situation if instead of Jarrett Culver, you have Tyler Hero. Yes. And and it is it isn't even just Tyler Hero. There, there's other Give guys. Me Clark. There's other Give guys. Me Clark. There, 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 there's a bunch. You know, there, there's but there's Clark, a bunch Clark here. Clark is a guy team. who you could plug and play as a Rosa style four right now. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean it, And they wouldn't have even had to get rid of Sarge, who by the way was the key to that Phoenix victory. He comes in. I even get some foul trouble. Uh, Dario comes in. Stops cat. Yeah. No, I mean, so that my, the, the broader point, which we both agree with is that's how we got here. Yes. We're here. It doesn't matter. And quite frankly, it doesn't matter how we got here. We're at, at the halfway point of the 2020, 21 season. They're at an untenable situation to just roll out, continue rolling along the path that okay. they had and, and, decided and, a year and ago. And let's say, because I'm 
always a big believer in accountability. I like to spout. And so if I'm going to spout, I've got to, you and I were both huge Gerson Rosas boosters as recently mm -hmm. as two months ago. Yeah. And, sure. and we endorsed the DLO trade. I mm -hmm. was hesitant about it, but I, if, if, are you yay or nay? I, I wasn't. Are you yay or nay, Britt? I was yay. So th yeah. there's that. I had faith in Rosas. Um, I thought that the team would be good enough to have it that pick be a 10 to 12 pick rather than potentially a four or five pick or potentially a one to three pick, which, you know, would be a weird bouquet. Um, but my faith in Rosas has been significantly shaken in the last two months. I think he's had just a, an unending streak of bad juju, most of it of his own making. And mm -hmm. I think that the fact that Culver has the yips in terms of if he makes a few mistakes, he's trash for the rest of the game. That's a damning, damning pick with your lottery somebody you, you're choosing to move up on. Um, and I think that Edwards, while there is certainly a large ceiling for him to occupy, um, right now he is contributing to a lot of problems. Yeah. Um, and while, you know, we're in this little tributary, Jade McDaniels was the feel-good story. Turns out it was a Ryan Saunders push. I mean, Jade McDaniels has not been promoted since the coaching change. Um, well, it's he, been the opposite. He is a three now instead of a four a lot of the time. and Facts. And his game is deteriorated. Maybe it's rookie wall or maybe it's the way he's being used. But the bottom line is, the the greatest source of surprise hope. I mean, I Nas Reed is fine, but Nas Reed has a ceiling that is not much higher than his six nine head right now. And so you have Jaden McDaniels, who I thought I was speaking about being wrong yet again. I was very skeptical. I thought you're you're pissing away the 28th pick on another home run swing when you need doubles and singles you know, at that point in time. And lo and behold, the guy is a real prospect and somebody who really can help this team now if you mm -hmm. use him right. And they're not using him right. I mean, what a pisser. I mean, I, it's been weird with Finch, right, talking about him too. Yeah. I remember I asked him after the one game where McDaniels played seven minutes. He didn't come in until like halfway through the second quarter as the 11th guy into the game. And – and actually, I wasn't even the – Jason asked about it, then I asked about it, you know, next too. And he's like, well, I mean, Fitch is like, well, I mean, Jaden was playing like 12, 14 minutes a game, you know, before I got here. So it's not like – he's like, it's not like we, we've removed him from the – he's just, you know, he's part of this bunch. He's that we're still trying a Fitch player, right. <laughs> well, and, and I was like, mm, Chris, that's not true. He played 30 minutes and 37 minutes in the two games before you got here. Jaden McDaniels might be averaging 12 to 14 right. minutes a game on the season if you s strap it all out. Right. But, like, 
I, I honestly think part of the Jade McDaniels thing is like Chris Finch just doesn't even know yet. Well, like that's interesting. I don't think right. I, I just. Who do you think? I think who was guarding? Uh, was it Vanderbilt or Jaden that was guarding Siakam on that miss? <laughs> what the miss? It was McDaniels. <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't know that that part of it's been bizarre. I do think we're going to see rotations shake up and stuff, and I do think you'll obviously have some. There will be some influence uh, given to Finch on you know what those rotations might be. Hey, I regard at this point in time, if you don't regard Finch and Rosas as one hive mind, then those guys have a problem because they are in the foxhole together now. For sure. And their fate is inextricably tied to each other. So they 100%. better be on the same page in terms of what they're doing. Tough starting hand for Chris Finch. <laughs> so that, let's talk so that foxhole is under fire. <laughs> yes. Let's do. Yeah. I think we've, well, we've, uh, we've basically exhumed a few wolves corpses and beaten them around a little. And now we'll put them back in the ground and go to the NBA. Back in the foxhole. Um, let's go to the NBA now. <laughs> <laughs> what what was what's sticking out to you 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 brought this up before we started recording saying you wanted to talk about it what is uh i just there what's is, on your nba mind i just love some i mean what chris paul is doing in phoenix is just mm -hmm. it fills me with happiness um let's face it chris paul is an annoying son of a bitch and uh he's not somebody that is going to win any popularity contests He's definitely the kind of guy you want leading your union or your, your little cabal of whatever it is. You know, he, he is a clubhouse lawyer is what they used to call him in the best term of the word. I mean, somebody who uh, always has an opinion, has always read the rule book, will get you on the little stuff and get you on the big stuff. But people were gleeful, I think, to some extent after – that Clippers team with Blake and DeAndre Jordan and Doc Rivers got so unlikable in terms of the way they used to bait everybody and just be terrible. And so when he went to Houston and he and Harden couldn't take the big steps, the narrative continued to be Chris Paul will never win the big one. It was like Carl Malone or Charles Barkley all over again, great player, but can't rise to the occasion. Well, now we see the last two years, last year in OKC and this year in Phoenix, Chris Paul just makes people better. And he was classy enough to take a step back. Houston could not have co-alphas for some reason. Harden wouldn't allow it. He became the beta there. They chose the wrong alpha. Chris Paul would make James Harden so much better if they were co-alphas or if Harden, Harden was the beta, would have been the best beta in the world. Anyway, they blew that opportunity in Houston, in my view. I think that hurt Harden's reputation, certainly with me. And in the last two years, this last year and a half, Chris Paul at the age of 35 is one of my favorite players, you know? So I love that. Another thing I want to say about that. Whole, that whole Phoenix team is kind of cool. Oh, too. they are great. You know, Devin Booker is, is, has learned. He's, he's, not, he's not a selfish jerk all of a sudden. You know, I mean... Yeah. And Aiden is playing within himself. Monty Williams is a great feel-good story because of the classy way he dealt with tragedy in his life with his wife and then became this guy who's like this low-key guy reuniting with 
Paul from those days in New Orleans when it was alley-oop time between CP3 and Tyson Chandler. And you got Miles Bridges just loving uh, what Paul McCall, was McCall. <laughs> Where's Miles? Where, where is he now? Is Charlotte, right? On my team. Yeah, on my yeah, team, yeah. Yeah, Charlotte. So, yeah, McCall Bridges. I mean, it's just a cool team. Jay Crowder, man. Like, it, it, like I love teams, just like in general when I'm watching the right. NBA, where I really enjoy their second unit. Exactly. Or like the kind of exactly. the kind of the fusion of their second unit yep. where they got three or four bench guys out there yep. and one or two of their starters Couldn't kind of I love I love when I love when teams do that. And they kind of do the funky thing where um they let Frank Kaminsky start <laughs> but like only to bring in and they always- three power forwards who are better than him in Dario, Cam Johnson, and Jay Crowder. Frank you know, Kaminsky it, I- is their um Kelly Olenek. Sure. That's that's who it is. I mean, it's like you you have guys who are, I mean, because he's a three-point shot. He's a big that doesn't really play like a big. And he's, let's face it, he's not a likable guy in his own way. He's, you know, he's he's the guy that, uh, you know, pretends to bang and doesn't bang. and. But, let, but like, it's also kind of working. It kind of, it's, it's exactly, a good coaching exactly, move. It's a good coaching exactly. move. And so... I agree with you, though. Uh, teams that have a great one through nine, where you you don't care which of the nine are in the game, because all you're kind of excited when it's the <laughs> the six through nine. You're like, Ooh, what's gonna happen? Exactly. There's been like a couple blip. There, there was a couple of blips of those during the Roco days here, right? Where you were like, "Ooh, like Roco, uh, Tolliver." I love that. Yeah, that yeah. Right after the trade, and Tibbs yeah, well, is a, it was my favorite Tibbs time because Tibbs is enjoying. It was the best Tibbs time. It was the best. It was the best stretch of Timberwolves basketball in the past three years. It was, and it, it was so it, it enjoyable. Was. And Cat was happy. What a time! We're not talking about the Timberwolves. We're done. No, That's no right. more Timberwolves. Right. All right. So what's your what's and, other than Phoenix? And what Dame Lillard is willing the Portland Trailblazers to the fifth seed right now is just incredible. I mean, that guy. Uh, I tweeted out the other day that he reminds me, his tenure in Portland reminds me of KG in Minnesota. 100%. He is, he's got players who are not terrible. I mean, CJ McCollum is not terrible. Nurkic is, I like, you know, they've got good pieces. But if he leaves that team, that team is Mm -hmm. trash, you know. (laughs) They don't have, they don't have a guy that can, to do, the the, the problem with that, and this may be, again, an argument for, um, my friend Bob Hummel's contention that offense is all that matters now. Portland is like 28th in defense. They're they're not a good defensive team. And they've had injuries, let's face it. I mean, Nurkic being out mm-hmm. hurts. And uh, McCollum's well, was out for a while. But but the whole offseason, the moves they made was to address that with Covington, I know. Derek Jones Jr., and it hasn't addressed it at all. At the same time, that's a pretty good team. They win, you know. And they win yeah. a lot because of, of Dame, but also because Dame knows how to make things work, you know? And Terry right. Stotts isn't a bad coach, but I do, I like the, you're right though. Portland isn't something where I, I'm craving the one through nine. I put on Portland to see if Dame is hot, you know? Yeah. If Dame is hot and by hot, I don't necessarily mean raining 30 footers all the time. He's kind of like Steph in that you come for the shooting but you stay for the passing and the penetration, dribble penetration, and the timing of what he does. You know, he's just an electrifying player. I one thing I love about Dame, and it's this is also a Jimmy Butler characteristic. 
is... He kills you when he can. He, he realizes when his team needs him to do something. Right. And not even just scoring. Right. Like... I don't know why this is in my head, but I'm, I, it's funny. Maybe it's reminding me of it because it was against the Suns. I think it was two years ago. Where it's just, whatever, just a random, it's a random like Tuesday night game, and they're playing the Suns, and and the Suns are like on a 12-0 run. You know, Booker's kind of doing whatever, right. and and some CJ or somebody misses a shot for uh, for the Blazers, and Lillard comes flying in out of nowhere and grabs this insane offensive rebound as a six foot tall guy, because that's exactly like his team didn't need the offensive rebound. Right. His team needed an electrifying a, a play, play like right, that. Right. And, and, and he like, he, you know, he like got fouled and it was like side out, right, right? right? Blazers ball. But if you then watch the next five, six minutes of that game, right. the Blazers roll. Right. And it, it completely countered the, you know the the twelve zero run or whatever the, the Suns run and like there's there's a there's a million examples of that with him but I love players like that Jimmy's great at all right we haven't scored for like six possessions I need to get to the free throw line right. just to see two go through that sort of thing and there's this kind of like Jimmy Butler it's, it's relies on like free that. throws more than any player in the NBA uh, to agree. get himself going and also to to have like press pause for his team let's get a few points here uh, and he's really good at it. But go ahead. Which is exactly, which is exactly kind of the whole cat four and thirty one thing. Right. It's like. Right. You know. He's not getting to the line this year. Or just like. He's not though. That moment, right. recognizing the moment, like how many times this year have the wolves been on the other side of that twelve zero run? Right. Right. And they need, they just need something. Not even necessarily a three from cat. Right. Or an and one or anything like that. They need their best player to ignite them. Right. And. Which, by the and, way, and, I, I do want to, just because it's in my head right now, we had just gotten through saying that Bradley Beal is not a superstar, and I would actually agree with it. But Bradley Beal does that. He is a he is a catalyst. Every now sure. and then, when when Washington needs something, Beal is the guy who goes and gets it for you. But go ahead. Well, let, let's do this. Okay. I mean, the reason Bradley Beal isn't a superstar is because there's like six of them. Right. Right. That's true. You know, right. and Dame is one of them. Right. And, and and Dame is one of them. And Jimmy can be, there's like, there's like this group of six of them who are like for sure's. And then there's like some guys on the fringe. in the playoffs who are. Right. And, and I would put Jimmy Moore in that, but it's like, right. It's, it's Braun, it's Dame, it's KD, it's Embiid, it's Jokic. Am I missing anybody? Oh, I'm sure. Maybe got Giannis, one or two more spots. But Giannis. Although Giannis is a weird case. Mm-hmm. Because, Kawhi. Yeah, yeah, Kawhi. I think that's it. I think well, I, I'm, I, I mean, think you, that's... you could add Kyrie. I mean, as crazy as he is, if you need a bucket, if I need a bucket, I'll take Kyrie with the ball in his hands right in, right alongside Dame and, uh, and KD and some other people. That guy gets you buckets. I don't, sure. you know, I, I, he's think, got all kinds of the, problems, the, but not getting buckets is not one of them. The Boston time goes against that a little oh, bit. Oh yeah, well that's you know, you know, you're you're right, you're right. And and Harden, Harden is the other one. I would put Harden over right. Kyrie in this in this hierarchy and whatever. We, I'm sure we're missing people, or whatever. Oh yeah, talking. there's all Luka, Luca, 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 Luca. 
We gotta put him in. Right. So maybe it's more maybe it's more than seven, but it's like it it is this line of guys who understand Timing. Timing and the the leverage of timing. That's you know? the theater of a team's personality. I like that. So let's that, do one more NBA topic. Okay. Um, well, I mean, I, you have to include Tibbs. I mean, let's face it, that roster is not a like good this. roster. New York has home court advantage in the playoffs right now. <laughs> I actually think they are fourth and East. I'm not positive. Yeah, that. and they're like, they're like. I know uh, they're a game away from ninth or something, but still, at the moment, <laughs> you know. Uh, they're uh, 19 and 18, fifth seed right now. Um, is that fifth? Yeah. Okay. All right. How far away fifth. from fourth are they? Half a game. They're half a game behind Boston. <laughs> and half a game ahead of Miami, who's six. Yeah, I mean, obviously. which, which one which, game which one ahead of, of my Charlotte Hornets. Which one of those three teams is destined to fall? Boston, Miami, <laughs> or the Knicks. But still, the very fact that you're even, you know, talking about it. As somebody who trashed Tibbs a fair bit of time when he was here, I've got to give it up to him. That th- This is... This is he. This is, by the way, yet another. If you look back on that fateful time, where Tibbs got Butler and Taj and Jeff Teague, and Wiggins and Cat and Rubio were the holdovers, and these were the interlopers, and the interlopers tried to stage a coup, and the coup worked to the extent of a essentially an eighth seed at the 82nd game and then a wipeout in the playoffs. So people go, go, Oh, you go, all right. They, they did too much for this. Well, since that time, Jimmy Butler's gone to the finals. Tom Thibodeau is out coaching any Timberwolves coach in history since that time. Mm -hmm. And, Cat and Wiggins have reverted to being what their detractors thought they were. And so it is for Timberwolves' reputation, and I told you so, it right now is couldn't get any lower. They really they they are I I went back and looked into like this we just talked about that that those like 11 games the the run of time right after they traded away Jimmy and brought in Dario and Rocco. Right. That was and I, and that is whatever that was is what the Knicks are now. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Right. Where it's uh, somebody, greater than the sum of their parts. Tell me, Bullock isn't like a classic Tibbs guy. I mean, it just I love the fact that he starts Bullock. I mean, well, and, and there's there's like weird Tibbs guys too, where we think about Tibbs like oh like gritty defensive guy. He also loves he also has a thing for like those Jamal Crawfords, yeah, Emmanuel yeah. Quickly, right? Yeah. Like. I mean, obviously, T Rose is guys who can get buckets on their own in the backcourt. He's always had a fondness for. Yeah, which is like, it bizarrely doesn't totally line up like with the under my understanding of his ethos. Right, right. But but it is. It is just as much part of him as you know, kind of. Well, that's because he he did hang his hat on defense until he came to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, is could be another just damning indictment of Cat and Wiggins' defense. Yeah, we've, we've litigated that one. Yeah. No, he's been... Um, but that's about, cool, uh, that's cool. But give me some of your topics. Well, I guess, like, I, I do this thing during the regular season a lot of the time where I... 
I like gravitate towards the middling teams. I do too. I always, yeah, I love I, that. Stuff. I, 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 and also I don't know. teams it's on just the East like, Coast. I'm an old man. I go to bed <laughs> early, and so you know, it helps they, when the, when the league pass has the six o'clock games. I can watch a little before dinner. And, um, right. There's like something about, you know, a lot of the people I like to read and listen to on podcasts and stuff like that. They they tend to focus on, you know, the Bucks and the Lakers exactly. and the Sixers Force and teams like that. But it sure. But it, it also, I feel like, informs me some where I'm like, uh, you know, and if it's, you know, if it's a good writer and stuff, I, right. I like I feel like I can go two weeks without watching a full Sixers game and have a good idea right. of what's going on due point. to, That's a good point. Right. you know, due to coverage. Right. I can't get like it's a lot harder for me to get that on the Indiana Pacers. Right. right? You know, who's a or, good or writer in like that, that respect. I want to shout out to him. Cause I just think he's also a first class dude, but Dan Devine writes about all mm-hmm. the NBA. I think really well. Mm-hmm. He's gotten better. He's got a cup. I mean, I think the ringer has three guys like that. Dan Devine, Rob Mahoney and Jonathan Sharks. I, all I, do would, that. I totally agree with all, all three of those guys. Right. And yeah. And, that's right. I forgot. I forgot that. I mean, I read Mahoney all the time. I forget it's at the ringer. <laughs> yeah, it's they. They've got a. They've, they've evolved their the writing. I, a lot they're of people better. are like, oh, like people are people are bouncing from the ringer and this and that. It's like no, they got they got three good guys there. That's that's a that's the, a nice trio. Yeah, it's like the ringer. It's some like sportsillustrated.com uh, all of a sudden back from the dead. I mean, are you kidding me? Chris Man. Herring, Chris Michael Herring, Pena. and uh, Michael Pena. That's a great one-two punch. There's so many good writers out there. No, well, it, which is again, which is which is great, and I love, I, I love also reading one of those writers when like, when I've been watching Charlotte, you know, exactly, for exactly. the majority of the time, right. or I'm like, oh, you have too. Like right. I can tell, but but I generally, you know, gravitate towards some of those teams. I mean, I've talked about, like last year, the team that I gravitated to most was oh, the KC, Thunder, right? And now it's the and, and now it's the Hornets. I mean. And, and a lot of that just has to do with it was the first year. This has been, it's been really fun this year for me after having watched a shit ton of draft tape on all these guys, you know, to watch them. Right. Uh, you know, how, just, how just play in the NBA. Out. Right, right. And a lot of those guys are on, you know, middling right. sort of teams. Right. Like even, like even I think Obi Toppin has been really interesting to watch this year because Tibbs is using him exclusively as a role player. Right. And, and it's like, that's not at all what I envisioned. Exactly. I thought I thought Obi Toppin would go to a shitty team and be, you know, free to like play like he did right. in college. Right. It's not happening at all. It's interesting, yeah. you know. It's it's that is. it's it's fun for me to watch those things. At- Atlanta, who I again I, I watched their I watched their last game and I've watched I've watched them in bits and pieces. The Wolves have played them a couple times, right. so I've I've watched a handful of their game like in the games around that. Akangu looks terrible. Mm-hmm terrible you know and and it's it's just funny when it's like oh like this was the safe give him i mean time. You, give him time <laughs> yeah, i know that's your i'm point. not dying but, on that hill but i am not giving up on that hill yet it's just i mean for them from a trading john collins standpoint right it's like you have to have make sure that he's good right but a kongu is at least the way they're using him right or it's just probably the way he can't he is a capella right he isn't you know he right. he's like that's right i mean a Capello Okongu front court, that's not going to work. No, Bam is his comp. Mm-hmm. You know, and that means uh, maybe not as good a passer, but you want him at the elbow. You don't want him underneath. 
Okongwu mm-hmm. has Vanderbilt hands right now. Yeah, well, which is that's damning. I'm just, I guess, looking looking through the the standings here. What's what's your favorite good team to watch? God damn, the Suns have the second best record of the NBA. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. They're really up there. Uh, I didn't realize that. I'll tell you, I don't like to watch the Clippers. I they're an, no, they're a, never they're, have. They're a, they're a distasteful team for me right now. Um, Agreed. I I actually enjoy the Lakers more than I should because their role players are fun. Uh, and let's face it, LeBron and Davis when they're playing, you know, are are fun. But I would say my favorite really good team. It's not Milwaukee, um, Brooklyn. No. I mean, but Brooklyn them. is uh, the guy you got, we, hey, we follow. You something. bagged on them. I know. You bagged know, on them. I know. I know. And and, good. and I still, uh, I mean, I I gotta, I will await and see if they can do what my friend Bob Hummel said, which is, can they outscore everybody? It mm-hmm. could be. Um, I actually like Cleveland a lot, which is one of the reasons I want to get. <laughs> Allen and Sexton. I mean, they're tanking now, but when they weren't tanking, they were fun. Indiana. I mean, we we in, probably got it. Indiana. Indiana's fun. Yeah, really fun. We got a shout out. We got a shout out Utah though. Yeah, Utah. You know what? I hate the announcers for Utah. I have to turn down the sound. Jingling Joe. Just everybody who's in every player is called by their first name. It drives me up a wall. Over to Rudy, Rudy over to Royce, and over to the. I mean, come on, you know, <laughs> you're not in their friendship circle, pal. You know, just call them <laughs> by their names. You know, reminds me of Sean right. Elliott. You know, in San Antonio, another hopeless right. homer. You know, and so that, and at least I got rid of uh, Roy Hargrove. I'm not. Uh, that's like, <laughs> there's another one. A musician translated. Roy Hargrove is a. Uh, uh, trumpet player Matt Hargrove, right? Isn't that his name or Matt? Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, okay. yes. So yes. There, I mean, he was the, a, he was a bad homer. I, the the Thunder was my team last year that I watched all the time, and I had to watch the opposing fun. broadcast. They're fun. No, their broadcast team is oh yeah, Michael Cage. the worst. Yeah, I know. They're, is the Michael Cage is who I don't even remember back no, when he was no, in the league. Bad. You probably do. Yeah, he's no, he's thirtieth. He's not pretty bad. He's thirtieth. <laughs> Out of the 30 now. teams. And, you know, and Sean Elliott's 29th. I'm taking, I'll take, I'll listen to a Spurs broadcast. I don't like Sacramento's guy. So the Reynolds or whatever his name is, he's pretty bad. But he, isn't Doug Christie? Oh, every night. Yeah. Maybe Christie more, to be honest with you. They mix. They do a mix. Yeah. yeah. Um, but while we're on the subject, uh, good broadcasting teams made me remember a team that I love to watch. And that's Memphis. I just mm, love to watch yeah. Brevin Knight. Brevin Knight is maybe the best. He's very good, but also that's a great team. Tyler Jenkins mm-hmm. is a great coach. And they haven't yeah. even got JJJ back yet. Wait till that oh, happens. It's weird. It's weird. I, I honestly haven't watched much of them. They are so much fun. Because Jaws a highlight reel. Valanchunas is bringing back sexy with a big man, I'll tell you. I mean, he Dude, is... Dude, he did that last year. I, I loved... That. Remember that playing game last yeah, year? Yeah, Grizzlies versus Blazers? Right. And they were just... Both of those teams were going... Valanchunas and Nurkic just war. I was like, oh, this is so up my alley. Right. Like, that was... I mean, he's got some of the most dangerous, quote-unquote, inconsequential elbows or unintended elbows <laughs> you'll ever see. And then, right. you know, you got guys like... Uh, I'm not a, a Dylan Brooks fan, but... Uh, I love Clark, and I love the other guy they bring off the bench. Graydon Allen is one of those guys you love to hate, so it's good to have him around. Is, is Graydon Allen a musician too? <laughs> yeah, 
he may be a uh, a black talk show host. I think his name is Gray Allen. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's it's you know it's did, Memphis is a really fun team. And give me your and uh, Tyus. Who, who's going to win Tyus it? Is who's going to win best it? Year of his career. That's true. I love Tyus. Who who's gonna who, let's let's do our halfway? Who's Lakers. gonna win the championship? You finally come to my side. Well, I mean, I came to your side when, uh, if you recall, when you were making that bet, LeBron was at his lowest ebb. LeBron had just stumbled through a, a no playoff season, and it looked mm-hmm. like he might finally be toast. And if you think about all the minutes he'd logged, I yeah. actually thought. The reason I was low on the Lakers was I thought LeBron was going to merely be a very good star. I did not mm-hmm. think he was going to be one of the two or three best, if not the best, player in the NBA. And ever since that time, for the last two years, he has been. So I, a lot of a lot of my reasoning was AD. I know, and and it's a and, very and now reason. he isn't, and now it's why I I'm not like I'm not locked on the Lakers as as I, will tell I don't. You, I will tell you. Once you've already won a ring and it gets to be playoff time, you remember mm-hmm. AD mm-hmm. will play lights out in the playoffs because he's already won a ring. Once you've won that ring, the hands are not around your throat like they used to be. Right. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember this. This is when everybody loves me, you know, <laughs> and he is going to be fine. I, I think yeah. that their problem will be... He's just got to get healthy. I'm just saying he's got to... And, and their supporting cast has to be healthy. Uh, you know, I, I do think the little nebbish guy is uh, um, important, you know. Uh, is nebbish Caruso? Yeah, Caruso, right. <laughs> Caruso reminds me of like, uh, um, you know, when you have these things uh, in truck stops and stuff where uh, <laughs> or arcades... Where you put in a quarter and you have these little pincers and you go down and get a, a, a toy. Oh, yeah. You know those trolls you pull out? Caruso reminds me of those trolls. Oh, that's so mean. That's so mean. What about the East? Who's coming out of the Well, I, I'm I'm going Lakers out of the West, less confident that they're than I was last year. Um yeah, I think the Lakers out of the West, although that'll be fun. Oh, and Denver's gonna be Denver is getting better and better right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Utah, yeah, and 15. Utah jury's out. I mean, you have to see how Gobert works. Um, All right. Uh, in the East, you have to acknowledge Brooklyn. I'm rooting hard against them, so I'm certainly not going to pick them. Um, I would argue Milwaukee is diseased mindset. Uh, they have too many past failures. They need to ride into the playoffs with a lot of momentum to win. Uh, I think the Heat was a great story last year. I'm not sure. I think what Doc and the Sixers have done with Seth Curry, um, they are probably my pick, but I also think that, um, hmm. you know. Not my pick. Who are you, who are you taking? I'm taking Brooklyn. Yeah. Well, I, the- I'm, taking, I'm, taking, I'm taking Brooklyn to win it all. Well, you you know why you are a star guy, you are a guy that counts the the superstars. Matters, man. I know it does. I, I and I get. I'm also a guy who loves watching the second. No, unit, I know, so I know. But when, you, when your money has to go down, not your eyeballs, but when your money goes yeah. down, you know you ride the stars. And listen, I'm not. Look, I owe you two lunches right now. How can I say you're wrong? You know. 
But I would argue Blake, Blake Griffin going there too. Yeah, no, I, I think that's going to be uh, more noise than signal on that one. I think that Blake Griffin um, in Brooklyn. I, I mean, mean, it's hard to know. Yeah, what is Blake Griffin going to give them that they don't have? I, I mean, it's I, th- th- Blake Griffin is not my reason for yeah. picking the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. To win the I think the only reason they signed Blake Griffin is so uh, one of the, I mean, if Boston gets Blake Griffin and they use ah. him as a small ball five, ah, mm-hmm. you know, then, yeah. you know. I watched a bunch of Detroit at the beginning of the year. Remember, like Wolves played on. Right. And, and then, they are, he is a shell of himself. He, he is a shell of himself, but there was also some like intentional dissonance, I felt. Yeah. Where, they, I don't they don't think want him he on would, the team. Right. What he just didn't I obviously he can't physically do right. what he used to be able to but I think which was 70% of his game. Right. But he was also 2 years ago all NBA in Detroit. Right. And and I think there was part of him where he goes for like I can he kind of LeBron's it where he 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 goes, I could be like 5% better if I was more physical. And I would say 10%. But, yeah, well, probably. But he wasn't, and obvi- this is, this. we'll see how this plays out, but I don't think it was all injury. I think it was decision. A lot of it was decision why he look, looked like a shell of himself, and he kind of just read the room and was like, I'm on the freaking Pistons. They like, do not want me to win. But, I mean, and now... I, I don't know. I I would bet on Blake in Brooklyn being better than we think. Not Clippers, any obviously not all NBA, but I think it's I, I don't think it's going to hurt them. You know, sometimes when teams bring in like a a right. former all NBA guy and it gets in the way and messy, like I don't know. Is that signing official? I think so, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, okay. I've been kind of off the off the grid a little bit okay. the past 24 hours. Yeah, but, I mean, I know there um, was a lot of talk about that's where he was going. I just didn't know whether it was a done deal yet. If it is a yeah. done deal, then I'm free to say, as a you know resident Brooklyn hater right now, I guess, to some extent, <laughs> that he takes touches away from people who desperately need touches. Fair. Um, he is a guy who even if he's trying to be incredibly gracious will not want to be regarded as like the second best player on the second unit. Um, He doesn't (laughs) contribute to quality defense, which is what they need. Uh, I see him being more problematic than good, but like everything else in Brooklyn, if they come to dominate with a system that other teams can't parse in time, um, then it will come down to the playoffs. Uh, I just don't how do, how does Brooklyn defend Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons? How do they do that with offense? Yeah, exactly. Bob, Rob, Robbie Hummel style, right, 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 right. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It's uh, I mean, uh, you and I talked about this all the time last year. I was very confident in the Lakers last year. I'm not very confident in. I don't know. This year's been weird, man. It's it, 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 it it's weird. hard to it it, it's hard to watch teams. And, and we have a whole really half to go. Them. I mean, who right? 
who's to say that the Celtics are not going to just step on the gas? You know, I mean, the Celtics have a great yeah. roster. I'm not betting on it. They have a really no good stars. Roster. Yeah. <laughs> Tatum and my boy, Kalen, man. Kalen? No, no, no. Who am I saying? <laughs> man, am I screwing up today? Jalen. Brown, yeah. <laughs> he is. You, you, you were, you and Zach Lowe both. I love Way him. ahead. I love on him. That. You were. You were. You were. Um, all right, Brett. This is our longest podcast ever. Um, That's because it broke little... down after half an hour. We had a yeah, chance yeah, that... to recharge. It, exactly. Exactly. Um, we'll, uh, I don't know. You know, we'll get together after a couple games into this Timberwolves restart. It's uh, only eight, ga- eight games to Malik's back, or right? Yeah, he's been four without him. Uh, eight games till the trade deadline. And D-Lo. I mean, the four eight, to six, six weeks. weeks. Yeah. Four, four weeks. I think. Actually, I think it's five and a half is the trade deadline. Okay. So, so that means about three have gone by. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. I, I, remember looking, I remember looking at it and lining up when Malik got back and what that would be for D'Lo, and I was, I'm pretty sure it was like five weeks and three days. And, and that's also when the trade deadline is. So, I don't know. I mean, if they do make a – Aaron Gordon-ish move, like then you could kind of put it all out there for all those guys out there for the second, well, the post-deadline right. third of the season, which will be interesting because like that, they might be kind of good. I'm not like good, but they'll, they'll certainly be better right. if you if you got if you picked up a trade guy, you got everyone's healthy, right? And now you're in this spot where you start getting to the time of the season where tanking makes more sense. So I mean. I think if they do make a trade, they get all the guys back. Like Rosas and company is going to want to see, you know, 15, 20 games of the group. And then you go, oh, over that time, we went 11 and nine and all this and whatever. Like, but, but then I bet that happens. And then, you know, Cat or somebody is shut down for the final 12 games of the season, something like that. Something to- will happen. I have no <laughs> doubt. I have no doubt in mind. Whether it's intentional That's my or conspiratorial guess. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, with this team, even if it's not, it's right. even if this has all been unintentional, it's been just. Hey, just you know chaotic. what you want to do is you ought to split this podcast in half. I might if we can if we can find a at a the couple. NBA point where we start to go NBA. I'm sure we talked almost. Yeah, but hour. that was only like it was only like 15 minutes. I I don't know. I, I I'm gonna figure something out. Longer my producer's gonna minutes. have to do some. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. All right, that's Burt Robson at Burt Robson on Twitter. You can read him at The Athletic. I'm Dane Moore at Dane Moore NBA. Um, Timberwolves are back on Thursday for the second half of the season. It is incredible to me that they still have 36 games left to play this year. That's insane. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited. It's going to be different. I don't know if it's going to be better. It's going to be different. Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> All right, until then, I'm Dane. That's Britt. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stops, yeah. So you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever out